Amen. You can have a seat. The Lord be with you. The Lord is with us this morning. Uh, my name is Daryl Smith. I serve as the worship pastor here in New Heights. And if this is your first Sunday with us, uh, you picked a heck of a Sunday to start. Um, we're going to have a town hall today, as Heather alluded to in her prayer. And basically, the point of this is that we want to hear from you. Um, we want to hear what you're thinking, what you're hoping, what your questions are. And uh, Dinah's going to talk in a second about some questions that we have as a guideline um, some that we'll put up on the screen and, and help us as a launching point. But it doesn't have to be limited. Our conversation does not have to be limited to those questions. Um, we also understand that in 30 minutes, we're not going to hear it all, um, that this is not the end of the discussion. This is just a deliberate step in starting it. Um, and I just wanted to share a few thoughts as we start about um, how this has been playing out in my life. Hopefully that will help us have a, a base um, for how we can discuss this. If you didn't get to see this yet, and I promise I'll turn it for the people on the sides. Uh, this picture used to hang in my house. I'm going to put it in my office this week. Um, but let me turn it. Now, here we go. For this side. Can you see it? Okay. Microphone gymnastics. And for this side. So this was taken about a year and a half ago. Um, one of Debbie Chesney's friends was out on her very early morning walk as this storm hit. And just perfect timing caught this photo. Um, and I love it. And I've loved it since I saw it. And I don't love it because I want the church to be struck by lightning. That is not what's going on here. I love it because one of my favorite books in the Hebrew Bible is Job. Is the story of Job. And if you know that story, um, you know that Job goes through a lot, that a lot changes in Job's life, and that Job suffers a lot. Um, and that story is the journey of Job going through all of that. And at the end of that story, God shows up, and God shows up as a storm. And that's why I love this picture, because I look at it, and I see God showing up in my church. I, got, I see God showing up where I work, and I know it's kind of terrifying and powerful um, and humbling to look at that, and I think that's kind of what Job experienced at the end of that. Um, so I, I get excited at the thought that I could get to a place of such surrender and get to a place of such humility that God would show up, um, and that would be, it would be good for sure, um, but it might be a little terrifying. It might be bigger than I can dream on my own. Um, and that's really where I have been walking for the last uh, about year and a half. Because if you didn't know that we were going through change, we have been going through change as a community and as a church um, for uh, about the last year and a half, if not longer. And um, if you didn't know this, we had a pastor here named Michael Crocker for 14 years here in New Heights. And in May, he was reappointed to St. Andrews United Methodist Church, which is just down the road a little bit. But it was a it was a shift to have um, our pastor of 14 years leave us and go to a new a new charge. And to me, that was kind of the period on the end of the sentence. It wasn't the thing that began the change for me. It was the thing that kind of made me recognize that I had been in a season of change. And there's an ancient understanding um, called quadratos. Everybody say quadratos. And there is a word you did not think you would say today, but you have said it now. It's a Latin word that means four paths or four ways. And there's an ancient understanding of the quadratus that looked at the Gospels 
as answering, each of them answering one primary question about the journey of life. And that seeing life as not only a journey, but a cyclical journey that we will continually repeat. And so in the early church, three, four hundreds, they actually set up their church time together, their liturgy, to reflect this quadratos understanding. And what they said was Matthew, they associated the gospel of Matthew with autumn. And they said that Matthew's primary question was, how do you handle change? And then they went to Mark. And Mark was associated with winter. And the primary question of Mark was, how do you move through suffering? And then the next, actually this is a little twist, the next gospel for them was John. And so they associated John with spring. And the primary question of John was, how do you receive joy? And then the final gospel for them was Luke. And Luke was associated with summer. And the primary question was, now that you've received joy... How do you walk that joy out in service to someone else? And there's a scholar named Alexander Shia who's kind of helping us recover this, this understanding, this quadratos liturgy and this understanding of the Gospels. And he has two criticisms that have really impacted me when he looks at today's church in light of that cyclical journey of understanding. One of those criticisms is that we don't like suffering. We don't like the wintertime. We don't like to spend time in stillness and pain and not knowing so that we figure out any way around it that we can or we try to really get through it fast or we numb it. We just don't like that season. We don't like to let the pain do its work. And the second criticism he has is that we tend as a people when we find joy, when we get to that John, that springtime, when we get that that new revelation or receiving of joy, we say, well, this is it. I found it. I figured it out. And now I should just recycle this over and over and over and stay in this because this is good. And it is good. But it leaves out that fourth gospel. It leaves out that Luke step of now that you've received this joy, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to walk it out? So this has been helpful to me as we've gone through this because I've had to recognize my own time um, in autumn. And actually, for me, the summer was the time of, of the winter. It was, strangely enough, it was the time of wandering, of being in the desert, of saying, I really want to have a five-year plan and ten steps that are going to get me to where I need to go and get my church to where I need it to go, but I don't have it. And if I pretended that I did, if I manufactured something, it probably wouldn't be as good as what God will come up with. And that the best thing I can do right now is just be still and know that God is. So I've been trying to do that. I've failed miserably at different times, but I've been trying to spend that time in that place of wandering and letting God take this where God will take it. And I I have, don't feel sorry for me, I'm not like depressed or anything, but I have felt that in the last couple of weeks that I have started to try personally turn a corner here into perhaps a season of John. Now, I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse. I'm trying to wait on God. But I see our conversations that we're now having as we've all come back from our summer vacations and, and getting back into our routine in school and even today's step as saying to God, we're open. We have been through the change. We have endured and wandered and spent some time of not knowing 
And we're still patiently waiting, God, but we're open. We're now open and ready to hear where you are calling us, who you are calling us to be. So I hope that'll be kind of a baseline as we talk today. I'll let Dinah stand up and tell us about the questions that we're going to use as a launch point. Okay, so I, I have three questions that I want you to consider just as a launching point. If you have something else that is on your heart to address, you have the freedom to do that. But here's where I want you to start with these questions. We're going to have some roving microphones. So um, you'll have a microphone to speak into. And if you would tell us your name, uh, that would be helpful to all of us. We have somebody that's taking notes so that we will remember what you've said. And then the other favor I have to ask of you is would you be okay with unanswered questions? If you have an easy question to answer, a logistical question, we will do our best to answer that. But would you allow today to be about the questions that we have and the hopes that we have for the future? Um, I want you to know that we're hearing you. We're taking notes. We'll listen to the audio recording. And uh, we will continue uh, to process what you've said and then as we have plans, we'll get back to you with that. You will hear from us as, we have, as we're taking steps toward those plans. So the first question that I want you to consider is um, in two parts, really. It says, what do you need from the church? But what I want to hear from you is, uh, what do you need, question mark, in life, in general? And then also, what do you need from the church? And I only think it's fair if I ask you these questions if I answer them first. <laughs> So here's my answer to that question. What do I need? Generally speaking, I generally need time and rest and respite. What I'm doing about that is trying to become really good at saying no to things that aren't for me. Uh, and I also have a daughter that just left for college. That's freed up some space for her and for me both. What do I need from the church? Well, here's what I need from the church. Um, I'm an introvert. So left to my own devices, I stay at home. I need a place to exercise my gifts, and the church is that place for me to exercise my gifts, and it's a place for me to connect with other people. I read a book this summer. Well, I listened to it. It was an audio book called Quiet, and at the end of the book, the author uh, dedicates the book to her grandfather that was a rabbi. And she talks about how he was an introvert, but that his, his apartment was pretty much decorated with books because he did so much reading, but that he was also a really good pastor. He saw people one-on-one -on -one, uh, for who they were, and, and he acknowledged them and lifted them up. And I kind of see this as my opportunity to be that rabbi, to be that introverted um, leader. So I thank you for this space. It's what I need from the church and what I'm looking forward to. So what do you need? What do you need from life? What do you need from the church? Would you answer that for me and for Daryl? And let me tell you about the hidden rabbi that's over here on the side. David McNitsky is here to help us as well. Don't everyone talk at once. You can answer these questions. You don't have to. You can talk about something else too. Good morning. I'm Kelly Weiss. And what I need from the church, and what I have been getting, receiving, is I want to, because I go to a Bible study that I get great foundation, but I want every Sunday to come and be fed to be a better person and how to, to actually use those tools and for my daughters to, to, to know how to use that within our community, within our 
our family, with each other. So just very real things that I can use. That's good. Thank you. Okay, right there. Here comes the mic behind you. Hi, I'm Shelby Johnson. Is this on? Okay. Um, I think what I need and probably we both need uh, is we're about to have a daughter, so I think we just need a little bit more communication about what's going on inside the church that we can get involved in and also community because I think that's why we came to church in the first place was Mm -hmm. to kind of find where we can get plugged in. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say this again. Well, let me do this. I'm going to answer the second question for you just to to show what we're talking about there. And then, like I said, it's completely open. You can move on to the third one, which is what are your questions. But um, my hope for the church, I told the 930 service this morning, I need, I need, I hope two things. I shouldn't say need. I hope two things for the church. I hope that it will be a place, um, I said this morning, like a rock um, where people can come in. And check themselves. I'm, I spend a, a great deal of time of my ministry, time and effort outside the walls of this church. And I am in a lot of different circles and hear a lot of different things and I read a lot of different things. And I need a place where I can come back and have a congregation who is interested in my well-being and my ministry say, hey, that thing you picked up out there, drop that. That's no good. That's, that's not helpful. Bad idea. And But that other thing, boy, that's great. Steer into that. So I need the church to be that rock that I can come back to, that mountaintop. But I also need the church to be a launching pad, is a term that we keep using around here, um, to at times give me a kick in the seat of the pants and say, get out there. Um, you're getting a little too comfortable in that book and you're getting a little too comfortable in your office. Get back out there and do something about it. Walk it out. So I need the church and I hope the church will be both of those things. I think the church for me became something I didn't even know I needed. I looked at it really um, as a place where I would come and I would be inspired and learn and dig deeper into text. And all of those things are really, really great. But what I needed to learn from the church was forced on me. I didn't know. I found myself suddenly in a situation really devastating. And what I learned that this church really is, is a place where people live out and reign out the grace and the love that God has shared with them. And these people, these people at this church, not just here, but over there, everywhere, rained on me the kind of unconditional love and joy. People I never knew, had never met, heard their names, didn't know them, didn't think I needed to know them. Thought I could just have my husband work here, that's cool, I'll come on Sundays, like it here. And what I found out I needed from here was something bigger than that word community, but everything that word entails, and that is people next to me, people all around me. Maybe I know them, maybe I don't, but living out what it means to take the grace that God has given them and rain it on the people around them, whether they know them or not, and to love them and to show them what it is to live a Christ-like life. Not perfect, not everything, but just when you can and when you see it, go, do, be for other people. 
And I got this from the church, and I had no idea that's what I wanted or needed. I was pretty sure I didn't. I was all in here like the, I'll go learn it all, and that'll enrich my life. And that wasn't what it was. That's good. Thank you. Uh, my name's Nick Johnson. Um, I don't. It was a couple months ago. We kind of had a similar talk in here. Um, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. I don't remember who led it. Um, but uh, it came up in the last one that uh, diversity in the church. I don't want to say is lacking because that's that's not the case. I mean, we're all different people. But that one question: What are your hopes for the church? I'm from San Antonio. I love how diverse the city is. Uh, we just moved back like two years ago. I've been living all over the country, and we moved back here because I love San Antonio. I love the diversity. I just this is a great town, and finding this church, which I was not at as a child, I love this church. But my hopes for this church is uh, to become more diverse. I I work on the south side, and uh, I love that part of town. I just I don't know why. I just love it. But it came up in conversation last time. Uh, you know, what if we had a, a a bus that brought people from that side of town every Sunday? And just, you know, that's just my hope for this church. I love it. And it's just like, you just reach out to everybody else. Alamo Heights is so blessed. Yeah. And I'd just love to see that on the other parts of town. That's good. Oh, <laughs> we didn't give him a Thanks. mic. Uh, I'm David. I'm one of the pastors here. And one of the things I was haunted by when we started our North Campus out in Spring Branch is, is our lack of not only diversity, but that we were just participating in a flight out of, uh, out of town. So um, just for some history, we, so we um, adopted and opened a new campus on San, on San Pedro um, just three years ago. When we took it, it was... Uh, Eight octogenarians, Anglos, wonderful, devoted people driving across town to worship. Um, got down to four, and now um, last last Sunday, which of course is Labor Day, so it's a little bit. There were 65 people there at our campus there, and about 80 um, percent uh, are Hispanic. So um, I, I too, that is a hope I have too. But I also want you to know that when you talk about the body of Christ, it's more than just in this. Room, so I won, but I, I share that as well, Nick. Please go ahead. Is this on? okay? Hi, I'm Valerie Mead, and in answering the first question, uh, what I need is connectivity in my life. That's when I'm happiest uh, at home, at work, in my neighborhood. And I think uh, in church, if our church can build as many opportunities. For connection as possible, that would be good. Also, what I look for when I come here each Sunday is I want to learn and be challenged by my spiritual leader. I want to know more about the scriptures. I want interpretation. And how do I integrate what I learn into my life and challenge me? to make that connection and be a better person. So I'm looking for you to help be my teacher. 
Thank Great. you. My name is Clay Finley. I was raised in the Methodist Church, and uh, I have fond memories of uh, my mother's Sunday school class having covered dish dinners. In fact, I have a cookbook that was published by her Sunday school class. But now, since I am the last quarter of my life, what do I need from the church? Since what's going on in our world today has changed so much, it's important for me to hope that the church will do as much as they can to uh, minister to all of the people and because the world that we live in today is totally different. There are so many bad things out there on a daily basis that uh, you're confronted with uh, if you uh, look at TV. And uh, that's really just about all I've got to say about that. Oh, I do have one more thing. I haven't turned on my TV in three and a half years. Oh. <laughs> smart. Probably really smart. Thank you, Clay. Hi, I'm John Gaines. Um, I guess uh, what I need from the church is uh, it's kind of an overarching kind of idea, trust. Um, and there's a lot that goes underneath that, relationships, purpose, intentions, leadership. Um, so I, I, I think that's a big word for me and, and my hope for the church is that we will derive a powerful identity from the sense of trust that people will see this place as a, a, a community that is implicitly about transformation, about life change, about healing, about purpose. And uh, where they can come and be here and trust in uh, what we're about and who we are as an identity in Christ. Hi, I'm Chooch. Um, I think what I need from the church is our church is doing a lot of those things. But I think first and foremost, I applaud the church for giving a space for God to move in here and to not always say, well, this is the plan and we will not veer from it. I feel like the leadership, a lot of times, if they're feeling that God is moving in a certain direction, that they will step back and let that happen. And I really do need that from a church that, that God is in charge and, you know, we're, we're just following him. And so I hope, I think that I also need definitely scripture and sound biblical head knowledge. And every week I agree with what everyone's been saying about being challenged and, and learning and how can we apply that to our life. But also need a place where um, I think for my own children, having teenagers and you know an almost preteen, where they can come and get the heart knowledge also, and that there's a place for them to meet God for who He really is in the heart. Because I think you can have a lot of head knowledge, but if you don't have the heart knowledge, there's a big piece missing of your relationship with God. So a place where that's talked about and opportunities 
in various ways for that to happen because that's the game changer. And then a place where people are allowed to um, use their spiritual gifts and that um, the, where you're not afraid for that to happen. And fantastic worship, which we're A-plus on. So that's what I need from a church. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Cindy, and the great hope that I have for this church is that when people come to church, see um, church members on the street, rather than me, that the joy of the Lord is expressed, and that we are friendly, we are inviting, um, and that we challenge each other to reach out to people that we don't know in the congregation and be a little more inviting than, than we have been. So much of what we're touching on, this is interesting to me, just in 9.30 and 11, so much of what we're touching on, we get to talk about for the next few weeks when we're talking about hospitality and welcoming the stranger. and That's great. I'm, I'm glad that's our study. I'm glad we're coming up on that. Yeah. Hi, uh, Scott Singleton. Uh, what are my hopes for this church? Uh, my hopes is that this church continues to enable the Holy Spirit to work um, in different flavors and in different colors, but still, it's the Holy Spirit working. Um, specifically, I love how this this church is different than that church, and it's different than Asbury, but it works for their community and the community that it enables the connectedness. What I need for the church is, um, well, I'm going to, um, I'm a, generationalist here so I've been here young uh, my kids are here my parents are here and what I'm going to need from the church is continued spiritual that spiritual compass as we need each and every week um, sound teaching the opportunity to enable me to try different ministry opportunities but also I'm going to need this church to help me as I um, go through the seasons of life and the seasons that my parents will go through and 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 supporting me and my kids and their growth. So I just I'm looking for that excitement of migrating from head to heart and to be able to be God's arms and legs in this world. And I love it when you'll correct me and move me from that <laughs> no, from that couch to the to the street. Thank you, Scott. This church does have a rich history, and we have a rich inheritance that we carry on with us. So. I have every intention of honoring that. I just want to make sure we have enough time for the questions part of this. Um, and I'll share with you a question that I had. And it's a philosophical question. You can ask practical questions. You can ask questions about anything, service times, whatever. Um, but the, one of the questions that I've been wrestling with this summer is how can I be here and love Michael well when he's at a different church? And that's a tough question for a lot of us who have been very close to the Crockers um, and who have been following Michael as a rabbi for a long time. And I don't have an easy answer to that, but I know I can. And Michael knows I can. Um, And we're figuring that out together of how, what it looks like for me to serve here and also support St. Andrews. And We've said this throughout the summer, but I know we all travel in the summer, so we, we, haven't, we might not all have heard this, but we have to keep saying this. 
And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you as you go out into the community because you'll have these conversations in the community. We are not in competition with St. Andrews. We are for them. We are not the competition. We are the same family. We are the same body. Um, This is not about us versus them. Pick your place. Pick your pastor. That narrative, that storyline is garbage. And when we hear it in any form, we need to stand up to it. And speak truth to it. So that, that's something we're working on. Um, but what questions are you guys having? No questions. Here we go. Mine's not a question. It's back to what do you need from the church. I'm Janie Cook. Um, I would say the top three things that I need are discipleship, worship, and a place to share my gifts. And what I've seen, churches that are alive and vibrant um, and growing and diverse oftentimes are using the vehicle of small groups to make that happen. So that's one of my hopes is that we will grow in diversity, age, ethnicity, and vibrancy in Allen Heights. Yeah, that there are other places for you to plug in other than Sunday morning. Yeah, it's good. We had a, a we had a great conversation earlier in the earlier service, and one of the things that came up that really seemed to resonate with a lot of people was that we as a group have the potential to have a much more intimate and beautiful relationship uh, within God and Christ and within each other. And one of the ways that that came up uh, several times was maybe breaking bread together. So if anybody here, if that resonates with you, that uh, that is a nice, especially because in the earlier group there were so many introverts. So if small groups would like to get together and break bread in any in any way, that, that seemed to have resonated with everybody earlier. The other thing that came up also, especially from the men, was that uh, the uncertainty of all these changes seemed to confuse some of the men. They wanted a plan. They wanted action. They wanted it fixed. And I think where we came to as a group earlier was that uh, we need to let go of that. Uh, God is working. God has his pace. God's delays are not God's denials. Everything's going to be fine here. We're all, we're all Christians. We all believe in God and in Christ, and we just need to let, let everything unfold the way God wants it to. And, and I, I think we're on a great path. I think things are good. I'm so happy here, and, and just that, that's it. Thank you, Thank Nate. You. Um, I'm Shelly Hensley, and um, I want to echo just what he just said. I think just a return to the good old-fashioned church potluck. We could use a little <laughs> bit of that around here. Um, I think a lot of relationships are built in that in that context. Um, what questions do do we have? One of the questions that that I want to know is what does the what does New Heights need from its members? Because I can only I can only imagine that um, there have been a few other folks who have perhaps left and followed Michael, and probably at the leadership level. Um, you know, things have been taken care of so seamlessly and wonderfully over the years, and we all just count on you guys to put together a great church service every week. But um, what are some areas of need? What what do you need people to step up and, and do and volunteer and contribute? Um, it seems like a time for people to get involved maybe when, when we haven't been as involved as we could have been over the years. I, first, I have to say blessings on your house. <laughs> I mean, may the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank God for that heart and that attitude. Wow. You want to start? 
Okay, it was pointed out to me that we need another Claire, which I said, does that mean I need somebody at my house to love on? <laughs> I'm missing her. But uh, so my daughter, who was in college, or who is in college now, uh, came on Sunday mornings and helped with kind of the technical, technical arts. Yes, technical yeah. arts. What's yeah, that? yeah, yeah. So if anyone is interested in helping to fill that role, we need that. Yeah, I mean. We, we can talk a lot about the logistical needs that we have for Sunday morning. And I don't want to – let me just assure you that conversation will happen. Um, there's a lot that, that can happen there. Um, didn't, want, didn't mean to talk about this today, but if any of you know Debbie Welch, um, she has been coordinating our hospitality efforts and our greeting for the last, I don't know, 15 or 16 years and communion and, and – she has recently stepped down. So that's a, that is a need. Um, and it, as Dinah says, it doesn't strike me as coincidental that a lot of what's being talked about is hospitality and connection and getting plugged in when you walk into this room and feeling welcomed and feeling the love of, of the body of Christ when you walk into this room. And we're about, our rabbi is about to lead us on a six-week journey into that that will culminate in this feast that we'll celebrate together which is a, it's an eight-day potluck. Um, so, I mean, I, the brilliance of how that all, what you're saying and where we're going, coming together is inspiring to me. It definitely feels like the spirit. Um, I don't want to get too detailed into actual positions because I think they might change. I think um, everything is fluid right now, and we can decide as a body, hey, this is really important to us, and we're going to start to shape this. Hospitality might become a whole different animal after we've walked this journey. So, but yeah, there's lots of needs that we can I, talk about. I will say in the meantime, um, uh, oh, the city is our biggest form of communication, but also we have a Facebook page. So this is a side note and we can move on immediately after. But um, if you have not joined the New Heights Facebook page, please do so. Um, I and Debbie Chesney will be posting stuff um, and I'm going to try to be real frequent about it. We had a person who would plan like lunches after church and that kind of thing. And um, they're no longer here. So I think um, we, that once that's filled, I think all these opportunities will come up and they will. But in the meantime, if you join the Facebook page, I'm going to try to post a bunch of stuff. So that will at least help you in the meantime to get connected in that way. And if you don't understand Facebook or you don't like, like Facebook, just give me your email address after the service. Yes, and we will be having other conversations where we will get into specifics. Um, and it's just we, we, those will be smaller conversations for people. But, I mean, we have needs in technical arts. We have needs. The worship team's about to do a big uh, membership push. Try to get some of you hiding musicians that are sitting out there. Uh, I know you're here um, to come forward. But yeah, we have all kinds of those kind of opportunities where people can serve in their gifts. My name is Brandy Hollingshead, and I have a question. Um, is there a plan to replace Michael Crocker? And if so, what does that plan look like, and what might the time frame look like? In the next room this morning, as um, God would have it, is our new bishop. So as a Methodist church, we don't do any personnel things apart uh, from the bishop, so we had to wait 
and see how the new bishop wants to do things. So that's the first thing. Second of all is um, the move from Michael to St. Andrews was the second to last move they made, which means even if we'd wanted to add a pastor to our staff, there was no seminary graduate. There were no nobody available. It was just the last thing done. So um, the plan is to continue to listen and pray and talk with you because uh, typically um, in the, the Methodist uh, changing of pastor season, it starts, it's effective July 1st, and the discussions usually start in the very early spring. So we hope over the next um, uh, six months to uh, five or six months to uh, figure out a few things, figure out where and how God is moving among us as a church. And uh, also we have to figure out how our new bishop moves. Um, our, new, our new bishop down the hall is, I think he's going to be wonderful. Um, uh, but bishops are different. Some bishops will come in and say, this is who your new person is. And that's it. Others will say, give me three names uh, of people you're looking at, and, and I'll let you have one of the three. So from almost 20 years ago, we had a bishop did that, and I gave three names. We had an opening. I gave him Dinah Shelley, Dinah Shelley, Dinah Shelley. I just <laughs> rolled the dice to see if he would bite. Um, then uh, the next bishop after that was like, no, you pick the person, and we will we'll, we'll do whatever we can because they have to come into a conference. It's like a, almost like a labor union. They have to come in there before they can go to one of your churches. Does that make sense? So anyway, so let's say we found somebody at Duke, for example, that we wanted to bring in or somebody who was a pastor in Minneapolis or whatever. They would have to clear our conference before they could even get here. So there are a lot of moving parts. And the worst thing, it may not be from the Holy Spirit's point of view, but from my point of view, the worst thing is the bishop says, oh, you have an opening? Here's your new person. And we don't know what they're like. So, um, so we're waiting to see how all those moving parts come together. And I can't promise you that when we add a new person that their primary responsibility would be new heights. We may continue as we're going now or, or, or I mean, it, it, it's, I'm going to listen to you. I mean, we're going to listen to you all and listen to the Holy Spirit. We may bring on somebody that can go all across the, the, um, uh, sanctuary New Heights and uh, cross and help in both places. But that's what we want to, and we have time to discern because of the way the system works, which I mean, if there were an emergency, let's say that I had a heart attack because of one of the questions y'all asked. And no, not really. No, no. And you know, sometimes they would say, okay, we'll find you somebody by January 1st. But typically it's, it's a July to June 30th deal. So we have a few months to kind of see how, this goes. Is that helpful or not helpful? But that's why we mentioned Nick was exactly right. So many people were like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And it's like, uh, I don't know, because when this, one of the reasons I think our superintendent and bishop felt that they could move Michael at the last moment was they had, we knew we had enough interior strength to, to ride the interim. And they didn't have, because they didn't have anybody to give us an exchange. I mean, there's not another Michael. I mean, they didn't, they, there was no fair trade out there. So they just counted on us having the strength within ourselves to walk this. But since we had no bishop at the time, because our previous one, you may recall, resigned in December, we were, this was an interim bishop, so there was nobody to say, here's how we're going to do things in the future. Now we have one. He's down the hall. I will be knocking on his door 
after he's been here about six weeks and say, how do you operate? What are our parameters? And then we'll begin to talk. And I appreciate that he, I know he couldn't be both places this morning, but I appreciate he just started September the 2nd and he's already at our church, which I really appreciate. Is that, was that too vague? But so there's, anyway, so there's a Methodist system. There's a listening to the Holy Spirit. And then there's a whole decision about what's the best way to strengthen our entire body, both the sanctuary and new heights. Is it with kind of a one for one and we, and, and so Michael left, so the opening's here, we bring somebody here. Or is it a shifting like we've done, and we maybe bring a new person who's young. When Michael came, he was young. When Dinah came, I'm not saying you're not young now, but they were younger. <laughs> I'm not. Mike, Michael came right out of seminary. I mean, he started by leading worship, then he went off to seminary, then he came back. Scott came right out of seminary. Dinah came right out of seminary. Matt came right out of seminary. That's kind of been our pattern is to look for someone that we can bring along and if we did that, they wouldn't necessarily have the capability of being like a senior type leader. So those are different things in the mix. Is that too vague? I, um, so anyway, hoping over the next few months to listen to you and the Holy Spirit, figure out for the whole body of Christ at Alamo Heights how's the best way forward, and then hoping to find out how, what are the rules the bishop wants us to play by. But I do hope we'll bring somebody on. I just don't know what their job responsibilities will be, and at this stage, who that person even is. Thank you. Um, I'm calling the worship team back up because I do want us to declare this closing song together this morning. It's a closing song for the morning. It's not a closing song for the conversation. Um, This conversation will continue. You can talk to us during the week. Call us. Email us. Apparently you can Facebook Jordan. Um, Whatever works. But um, we appreciate this. I'm going to turn it over to Dinah to close us as I. Okay. Sure. Yeah, my my image for leading New Heights has been like this for me with open palms. So I'm not gripping this thing like this. But I want to provide some strength and steadiness for you all. I'm not looking to be the face of New Heights. I'm looking for you all to help me do that and for us to follow uh, the leadership of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we bless you and we thank you because you are invitational, because you welcome us as we are. You've designed us to be uh, unique individuals, a part of the body of Christ. And we are thankful that here in this place there is a gathering of the body of Christ. We seek to honor you with our gifts. We seek to honor you with our presence. We seek to honor you with our worship. Draw us closer to one another and closer to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.